0: Hello!
1: How Hi, are Mike. you? Hi, Mike. It's good to see you today.
0: I was speaking to the audience listening.
1: Oh, I thought you were speaking <laughs> to me, standing directly
0: I was waiting for them to answer, and they didn't. Hey, everyone, this is Like Trees Walking. It's a podcast. You probably know that. You downloaded it from the podcast section of um, Bing. Is that where people go? <laughs> people Bing or Alta, uh, Alta or Vista is or something like that. Yeah. Next, this is... Uh, I am Michael J. Nelson, and you are...
1: I'm David Berge, uh, the pastor, the minister. Um, I'm not a sinister minister, though. I am right-handed,
0: just so people understand. Sinistre, the devil's hand.
1: <laughs> Which is... It's...
0: You know that in, uh, in uh, eyesight, you know, OD and... Is it OD and OS?
1: Yeah, that sounds right.
0: Optic, whatever, optio sinistre, the devil's eye. Oh is the left eye i love that that's still being used (laughs) anyway yes so that is uh, uh dave berge i'm mike nelson the podcast is like trees walking this is where we talk about the big issues of life issues of life death philosophy the soul uh ultimate purpose um tinned fish products Keep going yeah so many things we talk about the big issues. We do it from a Christian perspective, but we welcome every point of view to listen and wrestle with the same things that we're all stuck with as human beings. Yeah.
1: Our, our goal is modest here. Yes. We just want
0: people to think. Think. Would you? Think about how they think. <laughs> yes. And
1: see how we think or how we don't think.
0: Yes. If you return our thinking with nothing but ridicule, hey, at least you had to think about why we are so ridiculous. <laughs>
1: and think up, the, think up your... Uh, your sick burns. <laughs>
0: yes. So that is what we're going to do today. Uh, we have a, a huge topic, a weighty one. Oh, very so weighty. put on your, uh, uh, get out your sheepskin that you got from graduating, from, uh, from matriculating, and because this is deep stuff that we're going to do. And then to offset that, we, we have a, a department, a regular department in the second half that'll be a little bit of fun, I think. Not that this isn't all fun. I think that uh, learning is, is fun in, in every regards.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you look
0: skeptical. Learning
1: is fun. Like, when do we get to
0: play the games? The learning is the game.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Read, when I was a kid, reading is fun. Riff was the thing. And, oh, was, and uh, so they tried to you know convince you that... It was just super fun to sit there reading a book, which is – it's really hard to convince a child that reading is fun.
1: But, Mike, when you open a book, you can go anywhere. <laughs> that might, um, if I want, when I want to enrage my oldest son, he's pretty young – um he'll be like i'm bored and i'll go well you know what use your (laughs) imagination you can be whatever you want to be and go wherever you want to go and he just is filled (laughs) with he boils over with rage like i don't want to use my imagination
0: oh (laughs) so are you doing it on purpose at this point i certainly i'm trolling yes (laughs) i'm just trolling my own child my uh my wife's father her response to i'm bored he, he hated that from his kids, like, you're bored, and so he would force them to go out in the yard and just pick up sticks, if they ever said they were bored, and would say, boring people get bored, now go out and pick up sticks, so they never, uh, obviously, if you are bored, don't, don't ever tell, tell the late Wally Jones that. A man after my own heart. Yes. All right, let's get into the big topic. No, 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 no. Oh, I don't want to wait, do that.
1: What? I want to do some housekeeping beforehand, Mike.
0: Oh yeah, we have a lot of housekeeping Yeah, don't we? we
1: got so much house to keep. So let's start with the live podcast.
0: Yes. We are doing a live podcast on April the eleventh of the year two thousand and eighteen by the uh Gregorian calendar. Um, right? I mean yes. there are some other operative calendars that there are will like not the, line the, up. the
1: like Jewish calendars still going. Yeah. This is the Islamic calendar, I think. So, yeah, the uh, the Gregorian calendar is the one we choose to to use.
0: So, by that, yes, we will be at a, a place called Sisyphus Brewing in Minneapolis, Minnesota, on April the 11th. Uh, it is a co podcast along with my other podcast with uh, Connor Listoka, a producer and writer for Rift Tracks. He and I have been going through the works of Ernest Klein, uh, the <laughs> writer of the upcoming Spielberg movie Ready Player One. And uh, his follow-up novel *Armada*, which we just finished, so check those out. But we will be doing it live, and Pastor Dave will be there. Yeah, we headlining. Gonna,
1: yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll do *Light Trees Walking* first. We'll tackle the um, religious themes that, that they don't feature prominently, but they have sort of an their their presence is so awkward.
0: Um, They're well, yeah. Nothing really features prominently in his writing because he he wouldn't know how to do that, really. I, other I than mean, I
1: trip like pop, like pop culture features prominently.
0: Yeah, well, that that is pretty much that it. Is. Yeah, it's lists of pop culture, sort of in a very slight novel form, but in there is some sort of performative atheism that will just take that on. Because it does come in and out. It's woven in and out of all yeah. of Ernest Klein's works and in his uh, in his oeuvre.
1: And it's right up, yeah, in everything he does, and it's right at the front, pretty near the very beginning of Ready Player One. You get this, yeah, you get this performative atheist greed, which is based largely on a, it's basically pulled directly from one of his spoken word pieces. So, and uh, yeah, so I, I think it's it'll be really fun to engage with uh, with that, and then uh, of course Mike and and Connor will give their take on the movie and talk more about talk more about it. So it's perfect timing synergy because this movie is coming out, and so you can get your tickets at SisyphusBrewing.com. Uh, uh, dot com, and there's a comedy events section you can click on and scroll down. You'll see our event there, and tickets are very limited. We've 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 sold over two thirds of the tickets. There's only when I checked this morning twenty eight. Tickets left, and it's a small 80-person 80, 80 room. So um, please get your ticket because they're going to go. They'll go. They'll be gone.
0: And if that wasn't enticement enough, we, we're doing a little bit of a, a giveaway at the end of the show. So there's prizes to give out. And the money that uh, any proceeds will be going to a charity. Um, I forget the name of it. It is a, There's two charities. Is there
1: two? Yeah, for the live pod. So there's the one that you guys have done for the literacy Yes. I figured since we're two pods, we should split it between two things. So, yeah, whatever the—I forget the name of the project, but it's youth, like, creative writing um, providing— I think
0: it's a Dave Eggers thing. I think he set it up. Uh, the
1: And then the other charity we'll be supporting is one um that we've worked with at our church uh, extensively. It's a Christian community development organization that does also do work in literacy tutoring called Ace in the City. So half of the proceeds will go— to um, that other project that I can't remember but, uh, and, then that, and then the other half will go to Ace in the City So we're supporting two good organizations Doing work to help kids write and read So that they don't end up like Ernest Klein. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, we may have tipped our hand About how we feel about Ernest Klein's work uh, The other bit of housekeeping is um, This is going to be you know, opaque to listeners But this is episode 311 uh, <laughs> And when I heard that I just thought
1: Oh, just like the band
0: which I am only aware of through other people joking about them i couldn 't name one of their songs. What is the three eleven band i think
1: uh, three eleven is i don 't even know how to categorize their music sort of i guess alternative which was the beautiful catch all category of uh, of uh, it was the alternative was like the indie of the 1990s and so um yeah, they had this song called "Down," and they were they were sort of famous for being like a weed, like a pot pot band. So, are they
0: in the neighborhood of Red Hot Chili Peppers, being that California?
1: Yeah, yeah, I th- I think
0: I mean I'm, I mean the poorest person's version of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Did they they wear shorts and no shirts and?
1: Yeah, and they'd go like. Know that I have always been down down then like let me now get my feet off the ground, ground, get my head in the clouds, clouds, it's kind of that like it's sort of like sublime too, maybe a little bit, yeah, that California chill all the only, Rock, the only weed. reason
0: you remain unpunched at this moment <laughs> is because you're too far away to reach, but. <laughs> Listening to uh, halfway through that, it, was, it would have been completely involuntary. Of course, I, my, my morals are against it, but it was almost invol- involuntary to reach across the table. So the and, calif- and and I think it. it was
1: like the California code for, penal code for something for indecent exposure or something It's 311. Oh, sweet, man. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> oh, they got
0: that in the song
1: title. Nobody even no, knew. No, the band name. The band, I'm sorry. The, the very band, band name, yes, name yes, Michael. Yes, so, that's right. That's episode 311, we dedicate this to
0: you, 311. <laughs> They took that because 420 was taken already, I guess. (laughs) All right. So, nonsense aside, housekeeping aside, let's get into the meat of it. And this, I'm just turning the spotlight around. It's like Linus at the Christmas show. Um, Lights, please, Charlie Brown. And then here's Linus to give you what do you got for us, Pastor Dave? You have a presentation. I do have a. At this season. Yes, it's, yeah. it's very seasonally appropriate, so we are
1: recording this uh, just uh, five days or so before Easter uh, 2018, and so we want to do a very special Easter show. However, uh, we did one last year, and, and so we're not going to just rehash what we did a year ago. And so for the, the Easter show, though, I thought it's good to think about, as this week we're thinking about the resurrection, but not just that, uh, we're thinking about Good Friday, And for Christians, Good Friday is the day on which Jesus was crucified on the cross and and he died. And uh, in Christian belief, it's this death uh, which is atonement uh, for the sins of the world. And so... um, basically one of the questions one can have in, in hearing that you know jesus died for your sins or jesus's death takes away the sins of the world is um why did that happen how does that make any sense how, how does how does what the christian church teaches about jesus like what's the what's the logic i guess behind this this claim is there any logic behind yeah, this yeah if,
0: if god is omnipotent by your view why did he have to why is this the plan yeah why, uh, didn't why just, did somebody have to, to die
1: yeah why didn't you just say like ah, it's done like yeah if you're forgi- like wave wave his hand over it like right. you're forgiven like why did why did this man but this particular christian understanding of this person why did he have to die in this way and how does that deal with um this problem that uh, that 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 we call sin and so it's a it, there's a i think an aesthetic quality to the, the passion story, the story of Jesus's death, even the, the notion of you know courageously um, self-sacrificing oneself, uh, that, that, that in and of itself, the story in and of itself is, is compelling and kind of carries within it a logic of itself that one could um, just be swept along in, in kind of the beauty of the story and the actions and the portraits that the gospel writers paint of Jesus himself. So not to discount any of that. But just to say that what Anselm does is is he steps back and from from a uh, philosophical perspective looks at you know why why was this a fitting thing and how did this work and so that's what I want to present with you today is Anselm's take.
0: Who uh, who is he? I mean, Mm -hmm. I know who he is. Explain who he is. I will. So it's uh, Saint
1: Anselm. Was the Archbishop of Canterbury uh, at the very end of the 11th century? So he and he wrote the work that I'm going to talk about today in 1098, and so he was uh, truly one of the founding fathers of scholastic uh, theology. So if 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 you think of um, Kind of medieval, very rationalistic reflections upon um, Christian teaching. Anselm is one of the people who who pioneered that trend, and and the work that we're talking about today, Cur Deus Homo*, is one of the seminal works uh, of of theology in the in the Western tradition um, ever. And that title means "Why the God Man." So, mm. basically, explain to me. Why the incarnation? And so, just to summarize, that's uh, Christians believing that the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, became flesh in the person Jesus of Nazareth. And so, why the God-Man? Why the incarnation? But also, then, why did the why did the God-Man um, suffer and die? How does how does that make any sense? Why was that important? Why did God do that? And so, he lays out this argument, which has been much maligned um, in Christian in Western. Um, kind of elite Christian thought in the uh, in the probably late 20th century early 21st century, but like many of these things, you know when people tear down a classic, a lot of times it 's misinterpretation or willful misunderstanding or snob kind of what c s Lewis calls chronological snobbery. Um, and so, what Anselm says about the atonement—about how d- how does God bring back together what's been separated? You know, the relationship between God and humanity that has been fractured by sin. How does God put what's broken back together? And this is Anselm's understanding of how of how he does it. And so, uh, it's called the satisfaction theory, which which maybe will make sense after I talk about it. But it's and, and Anselm is though he's um, known for his philosophical take and, and kind of his logical, rational uh, presentation of this. He's very he has a very pastoral heart and the way he writes about things, I mean this this essay is filled with um, one of my all-time favorite quotes. He's it's a it's a Socratic dialogue and some with this fictional student of his, uh Bazo and uh, Bozo is just, you not know... Not Bozo. No, it's Bozo. <laughs> is it B-O-Z-O? It's B-O-S-O. But we could say Z too. Oh, okay. It's Bozo. And Bozo's kind of a Bozo, but but, but he's bringing Bozo along, and Bazo's not understanding it at one point. some goes, ah, He goes, Bozo, oh my dear Bozo, you have not yet considered how heavy the weight of sin is. Mm. And so it's, it's like, I think part of the... And that is one of the beautiful statements, um, I think, in the history of Christian thought, And it's just whenever we're saying, it's like, why would God, you know, why would a loving God judge and punish and even send someone to hell? And it's like, well, if sin is just sort of like a shrug your shoulders, like, well, you know, it happens. Like, then, yeah, it's hard to see why anyone would take any of this very seriously. But if this is like a a, um, you know, atomic bomb going off uh, in God's universe, which is, you know, spreading, we can mix all our metaphors here, atomic bomb spreading a virulent disease that, (laughs) you know, that destroys everything. If sin is that, if it's the one drop of poison, or I learned this in like a microbiology class once, that in like one teaspoon of botulism, it's like poisonous enough to kill everyone in the entire world. Um, wow! Which, yeah, which is crazy, um, and so it, you know, if you think of of sin as this, if it's just a teaspoon, well, it's a teaspoon of botulism, and so mm-hmm. once it's out there, it has these just horrible deleterious effects that we see everywhere. Well, if that's the case, and we go, yeah, we God has to take this seriously. Um, and I was recently reading a, a book, a, a book. Um, uh, by this woman from Fleming Rutledge. She's an Episcopal priest. And so she, she comes from a more mainline kind of Protestant tradition, so you, which is typically what's associated with just dismissing Anselm. But she says, no, 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 we got to recover this because what Anselm is caring so much about is that sin is injustice. Going against God's will is injustice. And if God doesn't do something about injustice, what does that just say? Compassion alone is not enough to restore justice. And, Mm -hmm. and she, you know, there's myriad, endless human examples of that. You know, someone, let's say someone, you know, goes and murders your family and they go to the judge and they say, judge, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, have, have mercy on me. And, and the judge goes, you know what? I, I should punish you, but I won't. I'm just going to pass over this and, uh, you can go free and go home. There would you would be filled with righteous indignation, right? This would be a grave, horrible, terrible injustice because part of justice is uh, there's a couple, at least a couple dimensions of justice, right? Punishing wrongdoing that's important because in order to restore, um, you know, there has to be consequences, there has to be punishment for crimes, and there's a restitution piece of it, doing as much as you can in your power to make whole what you have taken or what you've broken and then beyond even the restorative aspect or the, the is 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 or the restitution aspect is the reparation going even beyond you know just restoring back to getting the balance back to zero but really for some for some crimes you have to make reparation like you have to go beyond because that crime was so horrible so um i mean there's of course the huge debate over not huge debate but but persistent debate over should there be slave reparations in the United States of America, because this was such a unique crime with with deleterious effects that have played out over decades and centuries. It's like, well, it's not just enough to, if, in some folks' mind, to say like, okay, we're all square, we're all equal under the law now. But it's like, no, 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 you you owe a particular group of people something. I, I know, I think something similar happened to that in in um, certain European countries that were allied with the Nazis. Right, they paid reparations to mm-hmm. families that were suffered from the Holocaust or in Japan paid uh, Chinese women or people who were basically women who were forced into sex slavery, the so-called comfort girls, right. they paid reparations to them. So, yeah, the Anselm says if, if God, um, you know, if, if sin is an injustice and, and basically an injustice of infinite, um, of infinite cost because it introduced into this world, all the chaos that we see around us, you know, every human being, when they will something contrary to God's will, introduces this poison that absolutely stains um, everything. And if God just allows this to go unpunished and passed over, you know, God is not a God of justice, but but a God of injustice. And, and, and Anselm's uh, perspective on this is really interesting, because he says, if God lets sin go unpunished, he says that God is, in essence, saying that there is no difference between good and bad, or guilty and not guilty, because both get, get treated in the same way. And he says, if sin is outside the law, that it's, it, then it's something that's not paid for or punished. It's subject to no law. And so then what else is subject to no law? God. So if God doesn't punish sin or do something about sin and just lets it go, sin in some way is, is, is outside the law, and sin in some sense becomes the same as God. It experiences that same freedom as God. And so he says not punishing, it's, it's not only unjust, but it's not befitting God's character for God to not punishing, punish something that is unjust. And when we sin, we rob God of honor that we, we owe God, and, and being human beings, we can never pay back that divine honor which we've stolen, and so we have to pay it back, but we don't have anything to pay it back with. And so basically, at the end of the day, we're in this situation we, where we are hopeless. We have stolen from God what we've received from God, and since it belongs to God, we have nothing... Or which to pay it back. Mm-hmm. And we can't, we can't, we can't do, we can't even make, we can't make reparation. We can't make restitution. We're in this position stuck. And so God, in order to be just, has to punish, has to punish us. And so we're left in this bind. You know, hu- human beings have done this thing to God, to God's creation. We owe him. We can't pay it back.
0: It's uh, it's the debtors' prisons of the 17th century. Yes, uh, you can't pay me back, so I'm throwing you in prison with your family, so that there's no possible way to pay you back. Yeah. Yep. So Anselm says, yep. So given the weight of sin, given what we've done, we're
1: we're all we're screwed. We uh, we deserve punishment. We deserve we deserve infinite eternal punishment. And uh, in order for God to be just, that's what He's got to give us. And so Basil's like, well. What can, what, can we do, what can we do then? And Anselm goes, ah, well, see, it's God's purposes in creating humanity was basically to have these beings who bear his image who flourish. And so God doesn't want to, God did not create uh, human beings to punish them forever. That's totally contrary to God's purposes. You know, you could imagine a malevolent God who. Uh, created people to punish—you know, a sort of sadistic deity who created people just to punish them. But that's not the God we see in Scripture, and that's not the God that Anselm knows. So he says, yeah, God has this good purpose where he wants people to live and flourish and 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 um, and live from his will in creation. So he says, well, so, you know, that God's purposes and God's justice seem to be pitted against one another, um, that, but they're actually reconciled. And so he says uh, that that Jesus— being the, you know, being God incarnate, but also a human being offers to God the, the perfect obedience that every human being demanded. And, um, and he offers himself up as the perfect uh, sacrifice. So taking the punishment that human beings are owed due to sin, um, and, and also in, in the manner in which he faces this, uh, uh, making perfect payment back to God um, that, that, that Jesus, as the God-man, does what does what a, you know the debt is owed by a human being, so he 's a human being, so a human being needs to pay the debt he, may, he pays the debt, but being also God, that that repayment is basically times towards infinity or everyone who belongs to him, and so he is able to take, uh, take an infinite punishment and offer back um, an, into, an, an infinite satisfaction for that which has been stolen, and so in that way, jesus the the, the, the god man. Um, makes atonement, restores what has been broken, and only, only someone, only he could do that, being both fully God and fully human.
0: Wow, and what are the critiques? Why is this argument fallen out of favor? To me, because as you might all know, I am just an orthodox reform, that's, that's where I stand, so that to me... Uh, You know that's what I my understanding as well that aligns with how I understand it. But what's the modern critique of it? Even within the circles of Christianity, of course, outside of it, the critique is you are all lunatics. But (laughs) but inside of it, what what is the critique?
1: So the critique is one that it's basically Anselm applied medieval. uh, He basically was living in a medieval feudal world, and so feudal lords had honor. It was an honor shame culture, and so he was just making God a big feudal lord and us a bunch of serfs. And so he was applying. He was applying that. For, he was superimposing that framework on the scriptural narrative, um, and that word, I think it's particularly around that word honor. Uh, but if you read Fleming Rutledge, he says, "Well, if that word honor bothers you, like just substitute righteousness or something like that." Like mm-hmm. we have, we have robbed God's you know world of its uh, appropriate uh, righteousness that it that it had the character that it was supposed to have. So that's one critique. The other is that this is divine child abuse. You know, so the father sends the son and punishes the son, and the, you know um, that would be uh, that would be the other. Although, again, within not again, but if you are a, a a orthodox Christian, Jesus is isn't it's a it's an event within God's triune life. God is Trinity, yeah. so this isn't something God doing to someone else. This is within God's own triune life that this is happening. So, yeah. if you have that critique that it's divine child abuse you know you need to get your doctrine of the trinity up to snuff
0: um well i just don't get how then a christian mind would if it's divine child abuse what do you do throw out the throw out the the resurrection throw out the a good friday i don't what's the solution i mean what how do they square that circle it's solid god's
1: solidarity with suffering you know i think that would be it like there's no there's no punishment that's taking place i mean the, the 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 biblical witness itself it, contains you know this notion of um, of suffering on on our on our behalf of jesus suffering the you know he Paul says he died under the curse of the law because the law says cursed is one who hangs on a tree so that 's the cross he hangs on a tree, so he he bears the curse of the law that was placed upon all humanity for himself so it, to me this notion of satisfaction um, even substitution is is very important within the New Testament. You could say that maybe I think the more substantive critique is that well it's overemphasized and there's other ways that scripture talks about atonement or what Jesus how Jesus's death saves us. So for example like a ransom, you know, that it's a ransom theory Jesus died gave his life as a ransom for many. So he's he's we've been enslaved and Jesus's death uh, somehow is the currency by which that is paid. Um, Mm -hmm. In in early, in in patristic, which is very early, first few centuries of of Christian thought, like, there was this idea that, that, you know, the devil owns humanity, keeps us enslaved, and Jesus is like, on the cross, it's like, he's like a, a worm on a hook you know, and the devil is this fish. And so that's how God traps the devil as he comes and, and, and bites the hook. He takes the bait to try to attack Jesus. But, ah, since Jesus is the God-man, he can break the bonds of death and, and destroy and, and defeat uh, the devil and evil. And, and I mean, there's, I, there's definitely things to be said for that. Um, but I think this this Anselm's satis, satisfaction view of, uh, of the atonement, um, it, it, it always struck me as, like, in, intuitively a very strong case mm-hmm. that he had made, um, and, yeah. uh, and I think the other one would be that, oh, by saying that pitting God's good desires for humanity against God, the demands of God's justice, that somehow you've made God not free and gracious, but subject to just another law itself. But Anselm actually deal he deals with that ab- objection in the work, so this wasn't something that he was unaware of. He just says that it's it's not some outer com- you know it's not some outer standard that is compelling God to act. It's central to God's own character to act in a loving way on our behalf, mm-hmm. in a way that is um, tends to the flourishing of His creation um, and and the justice that that He wants to see. And so I think you know even for folks who are very interested in um, writing. The wrongs of injustice that 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 the satisfaction view of the atonement actually plays very very
0: strongly um, towards that so don 't don't don 't run away from it yeah I mean i think it 's instinctual in most people that these things have to be crimes have to be paid for I, I, I think it drives even people who non believers the completely secular people that that is a uh, you know a pill that they have to swallow too is, could it possibly be that the Gandhi and Hitler suffer the same fate. This just seems wrong, you know. Pick your own, whatever. If those, right, you're <laughs> those are inappropriate. Great people. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, a and Z, whatever you want to choose. There, um, that just can't be true. And so, th- this is a satisfying view, at least in my view, and it would satisfy even those people as well. And uh, there, I'm just very briefly,
1: I'll share. Uh, I have this catechism in front of me, which, if for those of you who grew up in a, in a, in a church setting where they use these, it's, it's one of these things that you use to teach people and children. It's kind of these question and answers about the faith to indoctrinate. Uh, I choose that word. Uh, I mean, that's the correct word. It right? is. You are teaching people doctrine, doctrine. so you yeah. are indoctrinating them. You're trying to place doctrine within them. So, uh, you know, that's what we're doing. Um, It's very hard to indoctrinate people. Like, we're all constantly being indoctrinated. And and so I always think when people go, like, well, religion is just brainwashing people. Like, like, have you ever tried to brainwash someone? It's really... Yeah. it's really hard
0: it takes a lot of. you work. need
1: like super like you need hyper amounts of control over people to do it so which we just don't have right or want so yeah but the question this is a classic these three are short and they're kind of classic summaries of all these different sources of of, of christian thought you know what what sort of redeemer is needed to bring us back to god one who is truly god and also truly human so why must the redeemer be truly human And the answer is that in human nature, he might on our behalf perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for human sin. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Obedience to the law. So making satisfaction, you know, doing what human beings are supposed to do and paying the penalty for what we haven't done. And then the question, the last question is, why must the Redeemer be truly God? That because of his divine nature, his obedience and suffering would be perfect and effective. And that also he would be able to bear the righteous anger of God against sin and yet overcome death.
0: There you have it. It's a classical summary and yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now just picture that you're listening to that and you're sitting in a just a really itchy wool suit in a hot church on a on a flat bench with a collar like cinched too tight and then say those back to us and you will have passed. We will have indoctrinated you. Yeah, so that is as we look at Good Friday. That's the that's the
1: theological logic um what, what you know, a a a dominant I mean, a truly dominant strand of, of understanding, Why, yeah, why did, why did God do this in this way? Why, why would he ever do this? Why couldn't he just wave over it with his hand and sweep it under the rug? You know, give us a—why couldn't God just give us a mulligan?
0: Yeah. Well, maybe in some future podcast, then we can get into the other words that are used to kind of capture what we're talking about, like you mentioned, the ransom, ransom. And, all, and all of that. And there's other, there's other pictures, especially from from Paul. Yeah. Um, We'll get into those exciting things in a future. But it's process. exciting. I no, think it's it is, a, it's, it very, is. it's interesting to be like, okay, Jesus died for this.
1: Like, why? What? How does that make any sense? And and I think that that's always one of the great great challenges that we have to say is is we just declare it, which is okay, and and there's some intuitive sense to it. Uh, but when you stop and explain it, it, it 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 helps further our thinking along. And so I bring this one up not because it's the only one, but because it's one that's been maligned. Um, and neglected, at least in the circles where I have run. So um, I want to defend it and lift it up again. Yeah.
0: Well, let's see if we can get the uh, give his book, St. Anselm, give it the um, Light Trees Walking Bump. You know, anytime we promote anything on this podcast, you'll go to Amazon, you'll notice it's shooting to the top. So uh, check that out later. Uh, Cur Deus
1: Homo. Yeah.
0: Why the God-man. And so, yeah, and if you're a new
1: listener who has discovered us through... Three hundred and seventy two pages you'll never get back. Uh, maybe we lost you when choosing this topic for our first one, but
0: hey, you know, like this is this is good stuff. Yeah, this is this is what we do. Well we'll bring him back when we put the pastor we put him on trial speaking of uh ransom and, and slavery. No. <laughs> Jesus <Jeez Louise. laughs> <laughs> no, we're going, to, we're going to put him on the dock with a quiz about Easter, Mr. Expert. You ready for that? Yep. Put your thinking cap on. We'll hear a little appeal from the pastor, and then we'll be back with, uh, uh, again, it's not more fun stuff, but it's maybe more frivolous, although we're still talking about Easter. So this is all important stuff. The point is, stay tuned, this is uh, Like Trees Walking, and we'll be right back.
1: What a great song. So, you know what that means. It's time for Pastor Dave's Appeal. And I just want to say thank you to all of our new listeners who have gone out of their way to rate us and review us. We were we were stuck in the low 40s, and now we're almost at 60. And that has uh, just been incredible. So, thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. Um, if you could rate us and review us, if you haven't yet, that would be incredibly helpful. Helps us rise in the algorithm, um, which helps us in our quest to uh, to to share the kind of things that we're doing here with other people. You can also connect with us online. Um, there's Twitter, at Michael J. Nelson, or at David underscore Berge, or at LTW Pod. Um, you could like our Facebook page. Go to uh, 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 liketreeswalkingpod.com. Those are all of the uh, electronic ways in which you can interact with us. And so, yeah, we, uh, we thank you. Thank you for your listenership. Thank you for everything that you do for us. And uh, we do it. We do it for you. Let's get back to the pod.
0: And we are back, as we promised. We keep all of our promises. We have a one hundred percent money back guarantee on the show, isn't that right? But not if opened or damaged. Yes. Please return. I I always liked with candy bars; they have a guarantee on them. I don't know if they still do. (laughs) It was always said: please return unused portion for a full refund. (laughs) Because they don't want you, you eating take, the whole thing and being like, it, yeah, it "Take bad. a bite out of it," and then you're like teeth marks and spit on this candy bar, and you're supposed to return it. To them. What happened? Do you really want it back? What happened to cash on de- delivery, Mike? COD? Yeah. Doesn't that seem like a great thing? It seems amazing. <laughs> Think if Amazon went to a COD approach. It reminded me of there was a very funny thing back in the the uh, storm of the internet when all you know Pets. era. There was one that was a delivery service I forget the name. The name would make this funnier, but I can't remember it um, the delivery service that would give you anything 24 hours a day within certain regions of big cities, right? So you could uh, order a pack of gum and then just forget, and then two minutes later, go, "You know what? I want another pack of gum." <laughs> They, had no, they placed no limits on how this delivery service would go. Really? Like they were certain this was going to storm, take the world by storm. And it always made me laugh. Like, yeah, I'll have a pair of socks, a bowling ball, <laughs> and uh, you give me a bag of dog food. <laughs> and then this poor delivery guy had to ride around on his bike and find you and deliver it for, for free. For free? Yeah, it was, it was, was pre-Amazon you know Amazon stuff. But that lasted a couple months. But it got a huge show. IPO and everything. It was a big, big splash. Bad business decision. Uh, anyway, <laughs> all right, we have a, uh, an Easter quiz for you, Pastor, if you're ready. How seasonally appropriate, Mike. It is. If you're listening to this out of season, let's put you back in the season. Welcome back to Easter.
1: Easter, and as, as a pastor, I say, you know, each and every Sunday is the Lord's Day. We celebrate. Why does, why does the church worship on Sunday? Because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And so each and every week there is a fresh Easter. That's right. Every morning sunrise is a new Easter, Mike.
0: Right now, there's a fresh Easter quiz for you. (laughs) How? This is number one. This is short, and people can play along and tally your own scores. How was Jesus described on the plaque which was placed above his head on the cross? We could argue about what? plaque was there, but it, it was yeah. a sign. <laughs> it was,
1: in, I think, Latin, a, a, a titulus, or a titulus, whatever you want to
0: say. A, a, a title card, a big title yeah. card, yeah. yes. What was described on that, or how was Jesus described?
1: Is this open form, or is it—I mean, I can tell you, but I'm just wondering for the listeners at home—Jesus uh, of Nazareth, King of the Jews. That is correct. And Mike, did you know, trivia folks, so whenever sometimes you see a cross and there's I-N-R-I above it, yeah. that is that inscription, because in Latin it's, Jesus, Jesus, N- Nazar. What I don't know the Latin Nazaroy or something like that. Uh, Regnum, king, king. Judae, you Judae, or Eudio. Yeah, whatever that. I mean, my, I'm butchering the Latin, but that's Jews. And I guess Latin doesn't have J's, does it,
0: Mike? I don't know Latin. Did you have Latin in school? No. My one of my sons did, to his eternal regret. <laughs> So that's another story for another time. Uh, number two. Now this is going to go off the beaten path. Liha voted is the name for Easter in which language? And I again, I'm butchering this because I don't know the language. Liha voted. Liha voted. Liha voted. The O has a squiggly thing over it. Does that help you? Uh, no, it doesn't. It's not. Liha voted. Lievotet. Uh, time uh, is running down. Tweet 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 tweet. Uh, uh, uh,
1: Sanskrit? Mm.
0: <laughs> no, that is Estonian. Ugh. And so it's similar in a lot of the sort of the Eastern uh, and Slavic languages, but that is uh, Lievotet. If I'm pronouncing, you know. I was going to guess Estonians Russian, but, are, but I
1: was like, I thought they had to mean it would be like Pash Pasha.
0: I think that's right. More P-shock, right? Yeah. All right. Mm, Maz. All right. Hang on. Let okay. me get this. Let me get this ready. Maslenitsa or Shrovetide is an Eastern Slavic religious and folk holiday celebrated during the last week before which great event? Uh, Ash Wednesday. I'm going to give that to you because it's it's Lent. Yeah, yeah. So you do Shrove, <laughs> you do, sh- and then you, Shrovetide. Yes, or Maslenitsa. Maslenitsa. Yeah, it sounds like sounds right. All right, you're doing well. The ascent of Jesus to heaven is symbolized by what Easter tradition in Bermuda? (sighs) They let they release a dove to fly into the air. No, that's not bad. That's a little on the nose. This is less on the nose. Okay, the flying of kites. Oh, so
1: something flying. Yeah, I, I captured that. Yeah, that's nice. So
0: half credit. I like that flying kites. For, uh, Let's go fly a kite up, to the, up to the highest height Number four, the ascent of Jesus to heaven is symbolized by... Oh, I just you read just that You just read that Hey, I'm not a quiz show master, alright? I should be That's how I want to live out the rest of my career a quiz I'm, I'm a doctor,
1: not a quiz show master, <laughs> Jim
0: What was the most absurd one of those? I'm <laughs> a doctor, not a... It was like, I'm not a furniture ramp I mean, it was so absurd <laughs> It, it became you, self-parenting. You've got to think they had fun yes. writing those. The Rand Show, or the Rand Easter Show, is a yearly show and one of the largest consumer exhibitions in the world outside of the United States. Where is it held?
1: The Rand Show, and it's, it's not in the United States? Right, the Rand Easter show. So I was thinking of like the Rand Corporation, which I think they're in, or at least offices in LA. But then I think of the, like the Kruger Rand. So I'm just going to say South Africa.
0: Oh, nice reasoning, Johannesburg. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Because yeah, we talked about uh, uh, Kruger Rand in uh, Chesterton once. We had to bring that up. The, remember there was that long the long... Bo- the Boer War comes up yes, like quite frequently. quite frequently. Um. Just a few more of these, and we can stop early if you cry. No, I if you no, cry, I uncle. love it. I love it. Which Northumbrian it. monk wrote the reckoning of time, De Temporum Ratione? Ratione? I don't know. Again, I don't know Latin. In seven and seven twenty-five, a treatise which calculated the date of Easter. Northumbrian monk, oh, the Venerable Bede, is correct. Okay, I thought you'd get that. That's why I kept it on. That here. one was
1: that was I was racking my brain. But if it's like. The year 700, it's going to be the Venerable Bead. Yeah.
0: He was a rock star. He in the was huge. Uh, all right. I'm going to snap your head around with a pop culture. What is the name of Roger Rabbit's wife? <laughs> Jessica Rabbit. Oh, because Easter and
1: rabbits. That's all. Jessica it is. Rabbit. That's the only connection. Yes.
0: What a weird. That was the beginning of that kind of. I don't know. What are the two most popular words found on Easter cards? Happy Easter. <laughs> oh, this is. This one is, uh, yeah. Hoppy, sh- hoppy Easter? I don't know. To and from. Wah, wah. Nah. That's like, that's like, <laughs> I hate that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't write this. Um, I did approve it, though. I'll stand behind it. <laughs> Here we go. Number 9. Which actor from the films I Love You Man, Anchor Man the Legend Continues, Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Role Models was born on Easter Sunday 1969? 1969. Oh, 1969. So, like
1: uh,
0: so that would make that person today they would
1: almost be 50, right? Oh, and I Love You Man Forgetting Sarah Marshall uh oh uh, so there did I say f- f- 49?
0: Forty-nine years
1: old. Oh, and it's not the it's not the guy who was on the it's not Jessica Rabbit. No, because I, I want to say it I, I want to say Will Fe- I want to say Will Ferrell, but I think that's too young. He's that like he's older than that, right? He's
0: probably a year younger than me. I don't. I don't. And you're you're, you're north of. 50. I'm about to be twenty-nine. Okay,
1: so can you? So this, so uh, Paul Rudd
0: is correct. Yes. Wow, this pop culture stuff and the venerable bead killing it all. Couple more. On the side of which hill was the Garden of Gethsemane? Oh, on the, the east side. Which hill? Oh, which on hi- the oh, side? The, of, oh, not, oh, which on which side of the hill?
1: What, uh, the, 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 Mount, the Mount of Olives is correct. I've been to I've been to the Garden
0: of Gethsemane Have
1: you? in the Mount of Olives. Oh
0: yeah. Is it a, a good garden? Is it well kept? Yeah, it's kept? got.
1: Yeah, it's got. And it's got these olive and these olive trees can live for centuries. Oh,
0: I know they get really gnarly looking. Yeah. Have you ever seen them really ancient. Well, you have, yeah, I mean, yes, I, yes, Mike. I, <laughs> it just so happens I saw, but and so you know they there's older ones than that, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're like some of
1: these are like a thousand years old. I mean, it's absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah, they they look like the, the trees from the Wizard of Oz or something. They talk to you and they I throw, like and they throw like their olives at you. Yeah. How'd you like if I threw olives at you? Um, and then a... a um... A munchkin hangs himself. That's usually what. Is that in the background? <laughs> That's the... I, like... <laughs> just... I just know. Noticed... I came across that today for some reason. <laughs> really? You've heard that rumor, of course. That like, yeah. If you look, a distraught, in... <laughs> a
1: distraught munchkin hung himself, hung himself and... and they left it in the film. <laughs>
0: like, should we reshoot that? Nah, no one'll notice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it turns out it's like a bird jumping down from the tree. They just threw a bunch of birds in the background to make it look more. Real. Realistic, yeah. yeah. It's pretty sad. <laughs> nice. Anyway, number eleven. What annual event links Holcomb Hill near Rathsbottom, U- Ramsbottom? Sorry, Ramsbottom, UK. Avonham Park in Preston, Bunkers Hill in Derby, not Derby. I can at least say that Arthur's Seat in Edinburgh and the White House, USA. What? 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 Could you what ask? annual event links them? Oh,
1: uh, there, they, there is an Easter egg hunt. Oh,
0: so close. The egg rolling. Oh, shoot. True or false. The egg dance is a traditional Easter game in which eggs are laid on the ground or floor, and the goal is to dance among them, damaging as few as possible. True. Has to be true. It is true. Where are people doing these egg dances? I don't know. Is that also a quiz question, or are you generally looking for information? I'm looking for information on this. (laughs) If anyone has been to an egg dance... Please tell us how those go. And are they? I assume they're the hard-boiled variety, but if not... I hope. I'm mean, thinking about the mess. Either way, it's outside to clean that up. I, if you do it outside, it would be okay. Plus, then the birds come along, and they eat the, the eggs, and then their stomachs blow up. No, wait, that's rice. Okay. Sorry. I was it's, just going to say... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which three disciples went furthest into Gethsemane with Jesus? Peter, James, John. Correct! You are a pastor. Curtis City, Nebraska holds an annual pageant on Palm Sunday and is known as Nebraska's what city? Mel Gibson City? Passion of Christ. Christ? Uh, Passion Play City? You can't just keep guessing. Give, give, give me an answer. Uh, oh, uh, Easter City? Yes, that's what the quiz okay. is. It's okay. Easter City. <laughs> okay. All right, so you got most of them right. But, well like done. I, yeah, I feel like that was, and that venerable. Let's see, you missed la, la, Le Havot head? Yeah uh you got the lent one yeah i think you got uh 13 out of 14 yeah no you didn't get i didn't get the kites you didn't get the kites
1: but i said a fly like i said a bird flying which is again i think half credit
0: no it's not i think it's (laughs) no it's not fairly (laughs) similar (laughs)
1: concept
0: anything in the air yeah they throw a a tennis ball in the air (laughs) i would have gotten half credit all right well done and uh a nice easter episode i think
1: I think so. A very special episode you can share with your family and friends. And as you're meditating upon the cross this week, think Cour Deus Homo. And
0: also think Sisyphus Brewing. <laughs> yes, yeah, so April 11th. April you've got
1: to be there. And uh, Connor Listoka, Mike's co host, has made a promise that he is going to keep. If you wear, they, they sell the, he, they have this inflatable cow t shirt um, that is for <laughs> sale on Public. You can find it through the, the socials of, of 372 pages. If you wear that shirt to the podcast,
0: he will buy your first beer. That is reason enough because he does not he does not loosen that wallet and buy beers very often <laughs> in my experience. I'm kidding. I'm 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 giving him I'm giving him the raspberries. Uh, we look forward to seeing you on April 11th or just anywhere outside our houses or just out on the street or in <laughs> Dave's church at any upcoming time. I, fastening yourself underneath my car,
1: much like in uh, um, Robert De Niro. What
0: was that movie? Uh, Cape
1: Fear, Cape Fear,
0: Cape Fear, (laughs) Cape Fear Fear style. So whatever you want, folks. Yep. All right. Uh, We'll be back with another big topic and more buffoonery on uh, like trees. And I have this last word for you. Come out, come out, wherever you are. (laughs) We'll leave it there. So.